Hey everyone, it's John Kerwin here and I'm really excited as this is my podcast called Open Minded. This podcast is interviewing inspirational people from all walks of life. You know, I want to give you the real stuff that's happening every day in the minds of these leaders, how they stay well in high pressure roles, how they build resilience in themselves, how they look after their people and how can you invest in yourself and your people to do mental well-being well. So this is JK and this is Open Minded. So let's go. Welcome people. Just a heads up that this episode touches on the theme of suicide. So listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Open Minded, ladies and gentlemen. I'm really excited today. Um, Sam Webb. So Sam and I, we caught up a few weeks ago and you know when you, you talk to someone and this is an important message in this world we live in, but I spoke to Sam a couple of weeks ago and we just connected even though it was on, on uh, you know, virtual. So we haven't had the chance to, you know, have, a, have the old bro hug, um, but I'm just so happy to, to have him on today. Sam is an actor, speaker and mental health charity co-founder. He's been on the long running um, neighbours and home and away in Australia and obviously in New Zealand we get that as well um, so you'll know Sam as Mannix Foster and, 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 and neighbours or Nugget and home and away and I'm going to talk to him about that um, shortly but the most incredible thing as well which I want to talk to him about is he was the superhero or the, the people that everyone loved on Survivor which is um which is really interesting. And I'm catching up with you, Sam. I, I actually thought you are in New York, brother, but where the hell are you? <laughs> Mate, well, first, JK, thanks for having me on the podcast, bro. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's good to see your great, great head again. And, and to, I'm looking forward to chat with you. I'm actually in Kentucky. I'm at the uh, fiance's family, uh, family's home in the tri-state region of Kentucky. So if you've ever been, or if you've never been out here, I'm, I'm in the middle of the boondocks, to be honest. Nice. Uh, this is this is real America. Uh, people go to New York, Florida, LA, and and that's cool too. But when you're out here in the thick of it, man, this is this is legit. <laughs> this is real America. So it's uh, it's good. It's good. And tell me about uh, Kentucky. Is that bourbon, mate? Do you just like whack bourbon down at lunchtime? How does that work over those places? <laughs> <laughs> mate, l- luckily I don't drink too much bourbon, man. Otherwise I'd be in trouble over here. I tell you. But speaking of bourbon, um, yes, the the bourbon capital obviously of the world and um i'm off to do some bur- on the bourbon trail on friday i believe oh, so i'm mate. looking forward to that we're gonna we're gonna uh, hunt down a few uh a few distilleries and and i'll probably turn turn uh turn to a bourbon fiend for nice. a day but, nice. but mate, i gotta i gotta try it so mate no it's good this is this is it and i'm i'm, I'm all in so born and born in sydney on the on the beaches of manly then you move up to the goldie mate the good old goldie um back back down in 2014 and you're an actor so like most people growing up want to be a policeman a fireman i mean how did wanting to be an actor come mate i think for me uh and it's a really good question when i was really like when i was young and you know when you you grow up you've got those goals and you write them on a little sign and you go into school and you do your show and tell uh you know, I probably wanted to be a fiery or a, or a police officer at some stage in my life. You know, I wanted to be a detective there as well as a young teenager. But acting so, sort of always been there for me in the back of my mind. But growing up as a young guy who was very into sports and obviously I love sports. 
but my I come from a family who loves sports too. So it was it was an area which I was sort of pushed into, and, and acting and film and TV was a passion of mine, but I never really pursued it. Um, probably uh, uh, the best way to say why is probably because I thought people would judge me of what I really wanted to do back at those ages. There was a fair bit of stigma, and there still is a bit of stigma around you know young men and arts and you know, getting involved in the entertainment and arts industry as a young kid, that is. And um, yeah, I put it on the back burner, but, I, but I've always been intrigued. I studied film and TV at high school uh, for, my, for my OP for year 11 and 12. So I took, um, you know, serious classes for it and I was doing extra work and stuff growing up. And man, I really, you know, it just all happened to fall into place. Um, and I, took, I started taking acting seriously at, in 2012, 2013, when I, when I was on the Gold Coast, actually working for a radio company called Southern Cross Osteria. And um, I was asked to be involved in a play. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm definitely interested, but what am I going to do? And I read this script and I got, I had to audition and stuff like that. And um, long story short, I was casting it and I loved every minute of it. It was 12 weeks of rehearsals and, and then three weeks of uh, performing live theater in front of a, a live audience, which was amazing. And it's, yeah, there's just, I could talk about acting forever. I love it. It's, it's very therapeutic and um, it's a, it's a, a strong desire and passion of mine for sure. I read some articles about actors and actresses that often said it was like escapism from them a little bit out of, out of the, the real world. And others said that they turned to alcohol and stuff because of what I call performance anxiety. I mean, we, I used to chunder before a game of footy, you know, um, and I've met some artists that, you know, what do you call it, stage fright. I mean, any of those mental things that, that uh, you know, you experienced, did you feel as a different person while acting and did you freak out before you first went on stage? Yeah, I look, nerves absolutely still to this day I, I i go to classes every week and uh very nervous still and i think if you don't have those nerves you're probably not really enjoying it and it doesn't really mean so much to you so i think i respect those nerves i i i, I try and work with them not against them but for me i mean as an actor i think one of the biggest things i love most about it is really exploring the creative side so a part of me has been in all the characters I've ever played, whether it's been in theatre, whether it's been in class, uh, putting up scenes every couple of weeks, or whether it's been on Neighbours or my short stint on Home and Away. I think for me, it's more about uh, putting a part of me in every character that I'm playing and trying to find the essence of the character I'm trying to portray. Does that make sense? So basically, Sam will always be in, it's my version of Mannix Foster on Neighbours, or it's my version of, you know, the Joker, if I was to play the Joker in the Dark Knight or whatever, or whatever it is, it's my take on it. It's how I interpret it as a character. And what I love most about it is there's no really right or wrong. There's no like black or white in acting. You can make better choices that are stronger and they create more human behavior, which is where you want to get to, but there's no right or wrong. So you're really bringing yourself to the role and you're making the artistic choice as the creator or the artist in a world that you believe makes sense and it doesn't contradict the script that you're telling. And what I and it's very challenging. It's very hard. I, I imagine it'll be um, incredibly hard. So let's just detach Sam from Mannix then. Okay. So you want to 
put your own character as Sam into Manix, but how do you study Manix? How do you go about making that real? Yeah, so I, I think a big part of it is learning the, the character. So reading the script, whatever script you're working on, you would read through it. You'd understand the world and, and the story that's being told. Who is the character? What are the relationships with other people in the story? What are other people telling each other about me? What, are, what is being said about me? Do I believe that or, or does it contradict the script? The script is like, think of when I mentioned earlier, when I grew up, I wanted to be a detective. Think of getting a 120-page film script, breaking that down like a detective, and you're finding clues throughout the whole script. What do I want to achieve? Where am I at at, the, at this stage in the story? What is this relationship to me? Like it, little things, the script is everything. It creates what you call given circumstances, and they're the choices you can make. And then all the gaps that aren't told in, the, in 120 pages, if we're talking about, say, a two-hour film, you make, providing you can bring your imagination to that, you can fill the gaps. So as long as it doesn't contradict the story that you're telling. And that's what's really interesting about film and TV is it's often, for the most part, it's not what's said on TV or theatre or film. It's the stuff underneath. It's the subtext. It's the, it's the inner monologue, the things going through your mind. Just like right now, JK, as you're listening to me, you probably got thoughts going on. He's an idiot or I want to ask him this question or whatever it may be. That's what I call the inner monologue. Now, the, a lot of people think acting, oh, that's great. You get live a great career. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. I've never, I've never played professional footy on, on your level. Obviously, I played footy growing up, hard, different type of hard. But film and TV is so, it's so challenging, but the rewards therapeutic that it offers me in particular makes me keep wanting to come back and that's why I'm, I'm addicted to it to be honest I love I love doing what I do and and it's tough like I, I'm I'm not working obviously at the moment in, in professionally I'm back at school and working hard on my accent and whatnot but mate it's addictive yeah that, that's this is um really interesting for me because I look at you as successful you've been on you know uh epic couple of shows right so then you tell me you're back at school in new york and you're learning your trade i mean what does that look like how was that for you when you have the success in australia um wouldn't it just be easy to stay on that for the rest of your life brother than than then get out there and go back to school and be sitting there thinking what am i doing i mean how do you deal with that i mean is it is it what is it yeah I, mate i like to think of life in general like no matter how hard i study or work or whatever i've been good at me personally i i like to think i'm like a student of my life i just want to keep learning i don't think you can ever learn enough and i think for me coming to la to pursue my acting career and take it to the next level in order for me to get to that next level i've got to go down a few levels and and it's not even about being going down a few levels i think for me i don't even look at it like that i think it's I just look at it as the necessary work that needs to be done to get to where I need to get to. And I don't care about like labels and, oh, you, you know, you're working back in Australia and I was lucky to do a couple of great shows and meet some amazing people. And like, now you're just back at class. Like I need to be in this position in my life to get to the places that I want to get to. And that, that to me is just a no brainer. So I don't, yeah, it's very easy for me. I love learning. I'm learning every single day. The, the 
the actors that I've spoken, like read about, um, said there's a certain amount of vulnerability in acting that is quite hard to get used to. I mean, have you understood that vulnerability from a professional point of view? Yeah, I have. And I think that's probably one of my, my unique techniques. I think coming from a, a lot of, I think a lot of life experiences, JK really helps enforce and inform the work that you do and helps you bring yourself to the role because what you bring JK to a role and what I bring is very different. We're unique individuals and that's how people get jobs. And um, I think my, my past and, 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 and a lot of the life experiences I've been through and, and the trauma and the, and the things that, you know, a lot of us often look at as setbacks and things that break us. Yeah, it might have broken me in a certain part of my life, but I've been able to use it in a way that's helping me in my career. And I think that part of being vulnerable, especially with the work that, that we do with living and the work that I do in, in mental health advocacy, it's, I find it very easy to be vulnerable if I'm being honest. That's not my heart. My, my, my biggest struggle for me, if I was to play an emotion or to, to, to muster up emotions, I probably should say, would be things like anger and frustration. I find that a lot harder than being vulnerable in terms of like letting people in and talking about things that a man probably wouldn't normally talk about. And I feel like that's my unique technique and I've got to own that. You co-founded Livin', which you, you have just mentioned. I mean, you had a you had a really good mate of yours, Dwayne, who committed suicide. That was a real pivotal time um, in your life. Tell me about Dwayne, because often when we talk about suicide, we don't actually talk about the person. Uh, mm. We talk about the suicide. I always say that suicide um, leaves behind more pain than a normal death, but that the person died of an illness, but it leaves behind guilt, it leaves behind anger. Uh, what if people people sort of investigate their last conversation? But, you know, Dwayne died of an illness, but that had a pretty big effect on you. So how did you deal with that? And what sort of man was he like? Yeah, and a great question, JK. And I think it's important to... to um explain this in 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 a way that you know at least gives Dwayne some just he was an amazing dude you know the guy was from the outside looking in Dwayne had it all you know he was a young very 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 successful guy you know had a really really an amazing family his family were very well put together and had so many friends and you know he was the life of the party he was the one sort of the guy that would give his own like literally we hear things all the time oh he someone will give his shirt off his back to save someone but Dwayne actually did that like a lot of like he's inspired me and and I knew Dwayne pretty well but I didn't know him as well as a lot of my other friends knew him and I've learned a lot since Dwayne's passing about who he was as a man the parts of his side that I actually wasn't fortunate enough to see and he's inspired me in a lot of areas in terms of giving and generosity and stuff like that. And Dwayne was, a, he was just a good guy, you know, played football, a big part of his life. Him and I played football together and touched football, represented um, regionals and played representative footy together. And then he, he went off and did boxing and extremely talented at boxing. And um, yeah, he was just a hard worker. Um, loved a good time, loved a party, loved a good time. 
but knew when work was work, it was serious. And he respected and he looked after the people in his life that he liked and he'd keep them very close. And um, I was actually fortunate enough to be with Dwayne the night of September 15 of 2013, literally almost eight years ago to this day. And um, we were on a double date, believe it or not, Dwayne being Dwayne trying to set me up with his, with his, his long-term girlfriend and, it was, it was all going to have a great night and the dinner plans got cancelled and they got changed to a house party or a house gathering at Dwayne's house. He's like, Webby, I'm, I'm getting the girls to pick you up, grab some drinks and head on over to my place in Palm Beach on the Gold Coast if you've ever been there. And I was like, man, I'm sweet by that. I'd already had a few drinks. I just watched my, my football team win at, at one of the local bars in Burley Heads and the girls picked me up. We head over to uh, Dwayne's where he was living uh, with a couple of friends and Dwayne being Dwayne greeted us like, you know, happiest person ever come on in. And then, and you know, it wasn't rowdy night. It was just good, close friends watching football. His favorite team were playing drinks, there was food. And just like any, any normal gathering with friends, you know, we have fun. And I remember Dwayne pulling me into his room that night and literally saying to me, Sam Webby, I need to tell you something. I haven't really told many people before, but I want to tell you. And yes, we were under the influence. We were drunk and, and all that. So it's to a certain point. Um, I'm certainly not going to talk that down and say we were straight and sober because we weren't and I'll be lying. Um, but, you know, we were sitting there and he's like, you know what? I've tried to take my life twice before. And I went, my inner monologue is just turning at this stage. It's going a hundred miles an hour. What did he just say? What do I have to say that back to that? What can I do? Is this for real? Why is he telling me that all this stuff? And he's like, you know, I've, I've tried to take my life twice before. And I'm the sort of guy that would do it, you know, Webb, but you know, I, I wouldn't do it again. And then we were talking and he, he was talking about a friend of ours, a mutual friend who'd also died by suicide a year earlier. And he's like, yeah, I could never do it. I could never leave behind friends and my, my parents. He was so close with his family, man. It was, it was, yeah, it was something to be, you know, to look up to as a person, how close he was with his family, mum and dad and sister. And he's like, don't worry, Webb, I would never do it. Mate, I was singing stupid. I'll, I'll never do it again. I'm in a good headspace. My, my, my life is great. You know, I've got this work, bought myself a unit. Life was looking great. My future is very promising. And we carried on talking. I listened as best as I could have. I told him about my experiences with mental illness um mental health over the years um the impact that suicides had on my family um in the past before before that evening and you know i thought i said what i could have said jk i thought i listened as best as i could have listened and dwayne being dwayne the guy the life of the party that's got his shit together all the time doesn't want to show much vulnerability tapped me on the back and said don't worry Webb, it's all good and i went you sure he goes yeah i'm fine that was his last two words he said to me that night and I remember leaving that room and not even an hour later, um, an argument happened uh, with Dwayne and his girlfriend and Dwayne had pinned it out the front door and I didn't even see him leave. He, uh, sorry, he went at the back door. I was sitting at the front door, so I would have seen him leave. And mate, I remember um, messaging him moments after I knew he'd left and I'd be like, man, please don't do anything we'd spoken of tonight. I know you said you wouldn't, but mate, no, I'm here. I'm here for you. If you ever need anything, so many people will always be there for you. My text went unanswered, man. I had no responses from him. It was kind of like, it wasn't like Dwayne after everything we just spoke about. 
you know, I felt like he would definitely have rang me or spoke to me, especially the conversation that we had. It wasn't a fly-by conversation about, I've tried to take my life twice before and that was it. It was, it, we, we were talking for 30 or 40 minutes, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, we built some great rapport and, and, and some great understanding and no, no, no responses. I remember his mum on the phone at the front that night uh, to myself and Dwayne's girlfriend and we were just trying to pick up the pieces as to where he could have gone and what he would have done and there was no way in the back of my mind that anything bad was going to happen. I was trying to stay as positive as I could and although I had some negative thoughts in my mind, I, I tried to kind of shut them out as best as I could. And I remember, man, and I probably shouldn't have done this. I drove halfway around the Gold Coast that night looking for him after a lot of drinks. And mate, there was nowhere to be seen. I was like, where is he? Like, why is he answering his phones? You know, sister tried to call all that stuff. No, he wasn't answering. I was like, what's going on, man? Please answer. Please send a text after text. And then, man, I remember not sleeping that night, literally staring at my ceiling in my bedroom. Um, and I was just like, uh, there's no way. And, uh, and then I was losing confidence. I was like, nah, this isn't happening. And Dwayne and I went to watch the many, uh, the Floyd Mayweather versus Canelo Alvarez fight the next day because I love boxing too, man. It's one of my favorite sports. And Dwayne's an avid boxing fan, obviously. Um, he's like, I'll meet you at the Shark Bar. We're going to watch this fight at 11 o'clock. And, and it was guaranteed. We were on. This was a date we'd locked in. It was weeks before. It was already a lock, locked and loaded. And, man, he wasn't even answering our calls. I remember people putting his face on Facebook. Has anyone seen Dwayne? He's missing. And he'd done this before, but he'd always come back. Um, and, man, I remember getting a phone call around 5.30 that afternoon. Floyd Mayweather wins his fight, obviously. Beats Canelo Alvarez on a, on a unanimous decision. Canelo's first loss. And I remember getting a phone call going, Dwayne's dead, man. He's dead. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, Dwayne's dead. He, he, he's been found. I go, You're, this isn't real. And I remember hanging up the phone. I threw my pizza at the window and all over my house. I was just, I was a mess. And I got in the car that night and drove straight to the hospital because I really didn't believe this would happen. This was happening. I didn't. I really didn't. I didn't want to believe it was happening. And I remember going to the, going to the hospital and I'll never forget, man, the moment that they pulled those curtains back and you see your friend passed away right in front of your own two eyes it's it's life-changing and that was for me i can only i can't even imagine what it would have been like for his mom and dad and i'll never be the same again never ever be the same again and that that moment changed a lot of people's lives for good for bad for the worst uh you know it might have changed mine for for the worst for a little bit but you know i'm very grateful that we we're able to turn it around and create living off the back of Dwayne's passing yeah mate that's that's thanks for sharing because by the end of today, a New Zealand male will be dead by suicide by tomorrow. Two males, one female in Australia, eight suicide, eight attempts. Uh, 800,000 people committed suicide last year. And, you know, uh, they tell us not to talk about it, but we need to talk about it, man. You know, Dwayne was an amazing man by all accounts who died of an illness. And it's this illness that we need to talk about. And, and the sadness that it leaves behind. And I just hope, um, you know, that the, 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 the parents and the family get some, get some peace because he died of an illness and it nearly killed me, right? I was very lucky. Mm. I didn't plan my own suicide, but I certainly had suicide ruminations. I mean, out of that came living. You wanted yep. to change. You wanted to change stuff. And, you know, when I read anything about you, it's about, it's about actually 
uh, us males especially, and this is not exclusive to females because females, um, you know, I think they are lucky, luckier to have um, a bit more vulnerability to us. But let me ask you a question. Sure. I'm a good old, good old Kiwi and Aussie bloke, right, mate? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. And me, we love our footy, we love our boxing. Yeah, we love, yeah. A, we love a beer. Um, yeah, and, and, and shortly to love a Kentucky bourbon. Um, <laughs> that's, but, it, that's true. But how do we, what, what's the advice that you give with all those um, harrowing experiences you've had, the life experiences that you're going through? How does a good Aussie or Kiwi bike make that first step towards vulnerability? Because, you know, you can't go from, you know, we never talk, bro, and, you know, we're all good and, and the banter, you know, talking shit, watching a fight and, you know, talking shit, watching footy, all that sort of stuff. How, how would you advise that person to take the first vulnerability step? What's the first step? If the last steps us all crying together and, and um, no one committing suicide, which is our goal, what's that first little step you reckon? Hmm. It's, a, it's a phenomenal question. And I think it's something that I'm still learning, man. I think, I think the best thing you could possibly do is I challenge everyone to listen to, uh, who's listening. And this is what I spoke about in my Ted talk. I did a couple of years ago um, is to challenge yourself to be the safest person possible. And why I say that JK is because I feel like in order to be vulnerable, I'm a big believer that you need to trust the people that you are with on a certain level. Why I say that is because you're not just going to open up to someone. You're at the footy. Fuck yeah, boys. Let's get on the piss. Ah, oh, yeah. Oh, mate, can I talk to you? I'm, I'm struggling. Like it's, it's a, you've got to create that safe space. And in order to do that, instead of trying to rely on someone else to create that safe space, create it yourself. Be the safest person possible so that someone can pull you aside at an event or at a barbecue or at a fight or at a football match or wherever it is in the workplace. And they can say to you, look, Sam, I want to tell you something. Or look, JK, I noticed that you were sharing some of your stories and you seem like a pretty safe person to talk to about this sort of stuff. I'm having some of these thoughts. or this is where I'm at. And why I definitely need to you know, remind you of listeners of this is because in order to, to be vulnerable, I believe that you need, to, you need to be vulnerable yourself first. And how do you do that? Is by being safe. So creating that safety within yourself. Therefore, you've openly, you know, sharing your vulnerabilities with people. You've created that. That it's almost like a, an agreement of trust. It's not spoken, but it's there through dialogue, through my own challenges, talking about my own experiences, listening, listening to understand, not to just to listen. You're gonna you're gonna inspire someone else to know that you're you're one of those people that they can speak to the next time they're not feeling well. And that's why I always say become the safest person possible because you just never know at what situation in your life you're going to need someone to confide in you or the other way around. You might be in a shit position and your mate's really, really safe and he's been vulnerable and you're going to go up to him maybe and have those first starting conversation. You said in your, in your um, TED talk, uh, modern men, and I'll read it out, modern men are trapped in an outdated model of masculinity. I'm going to steal that. Why? Who Did you steal it off someone? Because I'm going to steal that shit. I love that saying. And it you is so that. true. I do. I totally love it because I think 
It is so true. When you know, when I just talked about the good Aussie Kiwi blokes, um, and I was trapped in it, man. I thought my perception was, you know, the rugby racing and be tough. That's just like bullshit. But you know, if you considered yourself a modern male, give me four of those traits that you have now that you possibly didn't have before going through this vulnerable change. Yeah, I, it's a, another banger question. I think, I think it's, um, JK, I really think it starts at these conversations that we're having. Um, the four traits or, or whatever characteristics you might want to say that uh, typifies it maybe a modern male in terms of masculinity these days and not the outdated stuff is someone who can listen listen non-judgmentally without going, oh, fucking harden up, mate, or get over that, or why don't you just go kick the footy or go for a run? These aren't helpful to someone struggling. We've got to start listening, listening to people on their level as best as we can and understand them and understand what they're going through as best as we can. That's the first one. Second one, I would say, is someone who can be vulnerable themselves. So be... be be courageous enough to have that conversation that might be hard hitting or that might be turned down and looked bad upon or people might judge you for. But taking that first step in terms of initiative is what I call a modern leader as well, not just the modern masculinity. I, I believe being a leader, you're the one that speaks up and, and talks openly and creates a safe space and does things the complete opposite as what we were taught back in the back 50 or 100 years ago, you know what I mean? Um, other things would be to, I mean, other things would just be somewhat, again, it's probably just comes back to safety, be, being safe, um, listening, being safe, being vulnerable, and, you know, admitting when things suck and when things are, you know, when you're struggling, because it, it obviously comes back to our mantra, I guess, it ain't weak to speak. Um, there would be the four, I think, admitting when you're struggling, like not holding it in and going, yeah, guys, I'm, I'm perfect. I'm, I'm sweet. When you're breaking inside, that's, that's, not, that's not being masculine, man, not in my eyes. I, I think I would add, don't be the expert. Um, don't be the expert, yeah. Don't be the expert. Just walk with the people. You know, if you have, you know, I've got life experiences, but I haven't studied. You know what I mean? And I mm -hmm. think, you know, I totally agree with what you said, but also... Because my, my mum used to say to me, Sam, you know, we've got two, two ears and one mouth for a reason. And I think, yep. you know, if you could advise males on how they listen, what would your advice be? Yeah, and it's probably to your point, listen twice as much as you speak. Because oftentimes when you do, people will tell you what they really want. And the, as far as being an expert, mate, again, you, you hit the nail on the head. And that's something I would advise. A lot of people think that... They, they don't want to say something because they don't want to say the wrong thing. There's a lot of science around mental health and conversations, and it, it's very rare that you can say something that's really wrong. There's no black or white to this um, from a psychological sense. Um, but, but knowing that it's okay if you don't have the answers. They're not sitting, someone that's struggling, and JK, correct me if I'm wrong, man, but someone that's struggling a lot of the times aren't after an answer. They don't want you to fix them. They just want you to listen and understand. And like you said, walk with them or sit with them at their level and feel their pain. Going to change tack a wee bit here. Um, tell me about Survivor because you, uh, you know, you've 
you've done some great TV shows, and then you do Survivor, and and everyone just loves it as a show. Why do you think it's so popular? I, th I think the show Survivor is very popular because, again, that's ninety percent a mental game. It's ten percent a social game. Um, twenty percent probably social game. Eighty percent mind game. But um, I think they watch it because people struggle. People are struggling to survive and it's ripping people back to their bare minimums of life and people are doing it tough and it's not easy. It's a hard, one of the hardest things I've done challenge wise in my life. Uh, the mental side of it was everything, you know, and I, th I think without having a, a, you know, a good understanding of mental health, I think I would have struggled badly even worse than I did in that game. I lived a lie for a long time. Um, and that's why I love this modern, you know, modern men are trapped in an outdated um, model of masculinity. So I, I, I lied for a long time. I lived that persona. I was bloody good at it, actually. I was really good at it. I could play it any time you like. Did you do that? Do you do that as an actor? Do you have a person that can go out and just be sort of this? And if you did when did you become more authentic and how did you start becoming more authentic? Yeah, mate, absolutely. I did. I was, I used to hide behind my struggles for, for a lot of years. It hit the pain really well, struggled in silence until I really knew what I was dealing with. Uh, and that came with understanding that came with learning about it, reading up about it, understanding it to a point where I could, I could make sense of it. If I had to explain it to someone, um, I absolutely for sure could turn, turn off right now. And, uh, you know, be someone that I'm truly not. And that could serve me very well in some of my professional career if I was acting, for example. And it probably serves you well on, on a game like Survivor. I struggle with that part of it um, because I went so hard on, on wearing my heart on my sleeve and wanted to forget about the old Sam, my old life, because that didn't really serve me too well in terms of hiding stuff, masking things up, trying to have the answers to everything. Because that, that, that really brought me a lot of problems in my life, JK. And the games like Survivor and that, you know, people lie all the time. That's what it's about. It's about backstabbing, lying to people. That's one of the things I really struggled with in that game. I couldn't be right, straight out black and white lying. It was really hard for me. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely all about just, just being honest and authentic. And, and for me, it served me well in my life. It made, made me a better person to my friends, made me a better person to who I am myself. And if I'm a better person to myself, I'm going to be a better person as a family man one day. I'm going to be better to my friends, people in the street. I'm going to be able to pay more attention to them, see them in a different perspective. It's really worked well for me, man. I, I talk that's, about... Yeah. I talk about, um, I have a daily mental health plan at Mentimia. Mentimia, we talk about, um, you know, the six pillars. And for me, they are fundamental. So I was what I call emotionally dead, right? Um, and I had to rebuild my life, learning all these techniques and all these techniques about keeping myself well on a daily basis. And I have a really strong daily mental health plan. I, I live by the six pillars. Um, the one thing I want to, uh, tell people who are listening, this is not something set in stone. I keep changing and keep evolving with it and keep trying to get better on it. 
but you know we've got are you okay day coming up and i know that you're really passionate about putting yourself first i'm like i'm like you mate people say why do you put your mental health first i'm a better husband better father better friend better workmate and a better me so what what are some of the things that you're really really enjoying that you've put into your day that are your go-to's yeah, mate, beautiful. And I, I'm a big man and a big believer of routine, but also understanding that routine d- d- uh, can get disrupted at times. It's about being uh, disciplined and not not berating yourself when you fall out of sync with your routine. Um, so I want to make that very clear. I don't live by a clock every day of my life, believe me. But uh, for the most part, mate, most, most of my day is always uh, prioritizing self-care. So that looks, for me, it looks like doing some form of movement in the morning. And that could be running, walking, weightlifting uh followed by healthy healthy food and that could be a healthy breakfast or a shake um i'm a big believer of what you what you eat and what you put into your body is a is almost like a direct uh outcome of how you feel at certain times of your your day in terms of energy and all, all that sort of stuff um and then i'll go into meditation and and i've practiced started practicing meditation now for about three and a half months four months maybe three and a half months and it was a thing I never thought I could do my whole life, JK. And I, I, I was told so many different times, psychologists told me, you got to try it, man. Just, just stick at it, just stick at it. And I quit, quit it so many times growing up and in the years, even when living started. And I used to tell people, I can't do it. It's not for me. I'm telling you right now, that is part of my daily practice. It's part of my daily mental health care plan. Uh, I do that after I eat and shower. And that's, that's the last thing on self-care I do before I get into my work day. Um, and then I'll work and then I'll do my work and I'll take breaks and all that sort of stuff. But my, and I I'll tell this to people, my most important times and hours of the day are between the the times of five 30 and eight 30 AM. And people say, well, why is that? And I say, well, that's when I'm most productive on my self-care plan. And if that gets missed, the rest of my day suffers. And, and I'm not, I'm, it's just simple. It's black and white here. I, I just not as good. And um, I know in order for me to get to the, where I need to get to in my life, I need to practice these often and prioritize them. And that's what I do. But there's a lot of things that I do, but that's what sets me up for the day. What was your turning point in meditation? My turning point in meditation was really when I, and I only do short meditations. So I want to make, I want to disclose this real clear. Uh, 10 minute sessions, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, my turning point in meditation was actually understanding that meditation is not not having thoughts come into your mind but it's about bringing things back to the very present moment and i liken it to weights right it wasn't working for so long i was like i don't get this stuff but my arms when i went to the gym i was i didn't have biceps after my first 10 reps or i couldn't do 10 chin-ups straight away it took me time i built that muscle and that's what i did with that's what i'm doing with meditation and I'm just more aware of what's happening in my life now. Um, and again, I've got a long way to go, man. But I, but I'm seeking, I'm, I'm seeing real good benefits from it, and I'm finding those small moments in my day where I can actually be present, whereas before that never existed for me. And I'm very grateful for that. So tell me about living. You know, dedicated to. To Dwayne, obviously, so there's been an incredibly positive thing, um, and I just want to I just want to say to anyone who's who's listening, um, you know, 
it's really, really important. Sometimes we're not our emotions or our thoughts, you know, and, and when I talk to people about sitting with your emotions, it means just rolling with it, accept it. You know, some days I'm sad. I don't, I don't try and be happy. Um, I just sit with that and know it will pass. Um, you know, I also, when I had suicide ruminations, I knew that they would pass when I started to get help, when I knew you are not that. Let it go. Just let it go. And I think those that are listening who know someone who might be feeling about that, it's okay, man. Don't, you know, a lot of people have suicidal thoughts. This is another thing a really good mate of mine, Mike King, talks about. You know, it's okay. Just let it go. They're, they're, they're just thoughts that you can let go. They are not you. Um, but tell me, tell me about living, brother, like um, doing some amazing work and you know, it seems to have been really, really important for you to give you some of that balance that you talk about, you know, giving back. It's an amazing thing you're doing. So tell us a little bit about it and how can people reach out and help? Sure. And mate, and, and likewise to you, JK, the work you're doing with Mentor Mayor and stuff, man, you guys are crushing it. And we need more of these, more of these uh, projects going because uh, as, as you mentioned earlier, those stats are horrifying and um, while we started living in honor of Dwayne, there are a lot of Dwayne stories out there. You know, Dwayne's yeah. one of thousands that are dying every single day, week, you know, and it's just, it's not acceptable. Um, and we need to fix it. And, and we can't leave it to other people. We started living, obviously, in Dwayne's honor. Um, and it's all about breaking the stigma around mental health so that we can create more conversations um, because it ain't weak to speak. We want people to know that it's also not weak to listen. Uh, and 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 give feedback and the help advice and not have the answers like you mentioned to everything before. Uh, we have three key pillars. Our first most one of our biggest social impact drivers is our live and well programs, which we deliver to schools and workplaces around the country in Australia. Um, and that really came about um, because when we grew up, we never had education around mental health, not even simple warning signs or what is mental health. You know what the hell does it mean? Um, we never had any of that. So basically it's a very simple 45 minute to one hour program around educating young people and, and colleagues and staff members around warning signs and symptoms, what you could say to someone that might be struggling, how you can practice self-care, what the self-care look like, some strategies, how you can help someone else and that you don't need to be a professional to help someone. And you could be the, the cog in the wheel and the difference in someone's life. And, and we, we should never underestimate that. Uh, the other part of the charity is our clothes, so merchant uh, apparel, hoodies, tank tops, hats. We sell that. And the way I look at that is, mate, it's like a walking billboard. And that goes to breaking the stigma down around mental health. Uh, it's a lifestyle. We're trying to create a lifestyle within the brand so that people can um, relate to, to mental health in a way that's not so outdated. It almost uh, backs up that stuff we were talking about before, about the outdated model of masculinity, but it really is around the mental health in general. Um, and the third one's our third pillar is living life. So all about community and anyone that's listening who knows of living, you know, living wouldn't exist without the people supporting living. It's as simple as that. Um, we're very grateful for all the support and help that we've received over the years. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, but we're doing it as best as we can. And uh, we're excited. We're grateful to be on this journey and um, we couldn't do it without you guys. So, Thank you. And they can, they can, you guys can follow us at living.org, L-I-V-I-N-O-R-G on socials or at our website. You'll, you'll find us at www.living.org. Awesome. 
Um, so I've got a, at Mintamia, we, you know, we talk about, like we just spoke before, um, creating your daily mental health plan. It can be very different. So I'm just going to ask you the six pillars, brother. So what do you do yep. to chill? What do you do to I chill? Do, I, I watch films. What's your favorite film? My favorite film, mate, would probably be, I've got a few, but I'm going to rattle off. To, can I rattle off a few? Of course you can. I'm going to write them down and watch them. Um, the original Point Break, Patrick Swayze. Keanu yeah, Reeves. loved it, mate, um, as a surfie. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a ripper. Um, the Dark Knight, obviously, that was when The Dark Knight's one of those films where I think anyone that watches it wants to be an actor. Um, and I, and it, mate, I love a lot of the old old school movies. You know, like not too old, it's not too old, but like The Departed and Inception and all those types of movies. There's too many to list, man. But any, I'm open to all movies. I've been watching black and white movies lately from the fifties. And mate, I'll tell you what, they're awesome. And actually, one you should watch if you haven't watched called On the Waterfront right with up. Marlon Brando. Big Marlon, mate. Beautiful. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so now I'm listen. Yeah. Question. So yep. as a ex-rugby player, when I watch a game of rugby, like I I watch it for all people say, what are you watching? Like sometimes I don't even watch the ball. I watch people off the <laughs> ball. I mean, can you sit down and watch a movie? Or are you just trying to learn and trying to say, or oh, do you see do you mate. see mistakes? Do you see all sorts of different stuff? Yeah, I, 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 mate, it's a great it's a great one because people say the same and they ask me the same thing too. But it's definitely my safe place and my relaxing time is watching a film. But the parts of that relaxing time is is critiquing, finding hot points, <laughs> finding things I could try on on in class. But mate, it's it's still therapeutic for me. I love it. I literally best time of the day is about seven o'clock at night after Nadia and I have had dinner. Um, caught up on the day and then watch a film with popcorn. So tell me how you connect. What do you do for social connection? Social connection. I, I get on the phone and uh, speak to a friend these days because uh, it's hard with being in front of people. Um, but normally I'd, I'd ring someone, speak to them over the phone or go and catch up to, uh, with them in human form, whether that's going for a walk or grabbing a coffee or some breakfast or something like that. So do, what do you do to be creative? What hobbies do you have? What are you learning that is new? Now, this is a really hard one for someone like you because it's often, I don't know if this has happened to you, but my love turned into my profession. And so my, my whole life was rugby and then I, and surfing, but then I had to find other stuff that wasn't my profession. So this is probably a hard one for you, but what do you do to be creative and what hobbies? Ah, it's a, it's a good one, man. And I, and I could say the film stuff again, research and films, understanding what they mean, what the stories are like. But I read a lot too. I like reading. Um, and again, I'm learning something new every day. So whatever, whatever I'm doing to learn something, whether it's meditating, speaking to, speaking to new people, um, reading a book, watching a film, um, whatever, man, reading something online move how do you keep active in a way that works for you and this is really important for my for our listeners out out there right so um i think you know we are being bombarded with so much stuff right i often say we get more inputs in one day uh than our grandparents had in a lifetime right so we need to even know whether we should eat a whole cow or just eat the vegetable garden you know and all the images of moving and sport is perfection you know like everyone looks good but it's not about that people it's just about moving doing what you love might be gardening but but sam what do you do to move mate i i i just walk i just walk or run 
as you said, man, moving. Doesn't matter what skills level you're at. You nailed it, JK. And I say this to everyone. And even we say it in our Live and Well program. Do what you enjoy. Don't listen to someone or don't do something because you were told to do it because it may not work for you. Just do what makes you happy. And um, for me, man, make it, what makes me happy is moving. I could literally go for a walk around the block. That's moving for me, but I like running. How do you celebrate? How do you foster How, a positive sense of self, self-compassion, finding, finding the fun? Yeah, I, mate, I'm, I'm a very outgoing guy. I, I love having fun, man. It's, a, it's, it's again, I work hard and I, and I play pretty hard too sometimes. So um, I, I go out and have fun, whether it's hanging out with my friends or someone in the family. or And there's other ways I can have fun too. I'll sit there and go and treat, treat Nadia and I to a huge, great dinner and just catch up and be grateful of all the things that have happened in our life. Or I'll go to church or something like that. Um, there's a lot of things I, I do to celebrate. This is not part of it, but I'm a foodie. What's your go-to food dish, mate? What would you be... If you had to order your, your your dish, right, what would it be? Mate, I, you know what? I can't go wrong. Mexican's my favourite food. No way. Yeah, man. I love Mexican food. I'm starting to really like Italian. Though, and I know that you're good on Italian. You speak wow. Italian. So, man, I'm, I'm really starting to like Italian. But, mate, my go-to is Mexican. I love like a fajita. I love like chicken or shrimp fajitas. They say you got to go to America or Mexico to eat real Mexican. I, I am really intrigued about Mexican food. I'd love to. I haven't done a lot of it, but I'm going to get into it. So what do you enjoy? Yeah. What, do, what do you do for self-care and things that you look forward to? Probably, mate, we probably touched on it. Um, spending time with my family um, and trying to remain present in those moments of spending time, quality time with friends and family. That would be the... The number one. So just before we go to the sort of to the closing, mate, um, what an incredible big challenge you have. So what does success look like for you? Because I know often I talk to rugby players, especially when they're starting out and they go, I want to be this and I want to be that. And I just go, you know, you need to be the best you can be because a great, a great rugby player doesn't necessarily mean they make the All Blacks or the Wallabies or the English side. You know, a great career can be playing club rugby all your life and balancing that with, with um, you know, with a job and family. You know, that is, for me, success. Because often we do this, what I call the capitalistic approach to success, you know. But what does success look like for you, mate, as, as an actor? Where do you want to go and as an artist? Mate, it, obviously, um, I've got great big goals as to what I want to achieve with acting and, and my life successful. But I think, honestly, man, I think my success has to come from within because I could already see myself, if I attached my success to certain milestones, I'd always just want the next best thing. That's my personality. And I've seen it with too many people and it failed and it's just a letdown for people. So... My, my success, I think, I'd like to think I've, I've, I've already achieved it. I, I, it's about being the best version of me and, and, and just giving things a go that I've wanted to do and just live, live the life that I've wanted to live. Whether I, whether I make it or break it, that's, that's, a different, that's not success for me. Success is just um, learning, loving, listening, being grateful and just like waking up every day and going, you know what? I was the best Sam today. I stayed integral, you know, integral. I stayed consistent to my values. I listened as best as I could have. I respected my my fiance, my family. 
that's success to me, man. It really is. Like I love all this other stuff and don't get me wrong. I love flashy shit and I, and I love having a good time and I want to be, I want to work in films and all that, man. I would do, I'll work my ass off till I get there, but it's not, it's not success for me. It doesn't mean that. I think, um, I think, I'm just plugging my computer in, mate, because being the bloody techno idiot that I am, I forgot to plug my computer in. So I think I think the interesting thing that I try and tell people is, um, you know, success is, is not making it. Success is actually trying to be the best you can be in whatever that field is. I think it's, it's, a, really, it's a really interesting, different way to look at it. And I think it's so important for people. There is no such thing as failure. The only failure is not trying. And if you actually, yeah. and I know that's a bit of a cliche and, you know, you probably, yeah, yeah. But actually the reality is, you know, don't bring failure into your life. It does not matter. Getting, um, you know, answering exactly like you did if you just have a crack at something you'll learn and you'll get better and 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 mm. things will really change for you so quick fire mate yeah, just to finish what are you reading right now i'm reading um oh, maxwell's right. day i'm reading the daily uh the maxwell daily reader i've written that down that's a great what, one what podcast are you listening to i'm listening to two this week i've listened to the Jay Shetty episode with Dr. Joe Dispenza, which yeah. was awesome. And I also listened to um, the UFC to Joe Rogan with the um, North Korean girl that fled North Korea to come to the US. Wow. It was a ripper episode. Very, very full on. What keeps you awake at night? Um, uh, nothing really at the moment. Thank God. <laughs> oh. Nothing really keeps me awake at the moment, man. What do you think is an open mind? An open mind, someone that's just willing to, to learn. Someone that stays humble. Someone that always wants to get, you know, open their mind and try new things and never be stuck in their ways. Who should I interview next? I reckon you should interview Nadia Mahia. Nadia Mahia, nice. My, my fiance. Beautiful. She, she's it. got some good, she, she'll have a story for you. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So any last things you'd like to say to anyone who's listening out there? JK, mate, I just want to say thank you. Thanks for your time. I love the work that you're doing, man. And um, I've not, you know, met you in person um, yet, but I've, from what I can see and what, what I know and what I've learned so far over a couple of conversations, it's awesome. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in human form. And I think the work you're doing is awesome as well. So keep it up, mate. And, Let's keep uh, let's keep help save lives and do what we do best. Yeah, and uh, keep in touch. Good luck. Yeah, and uh, for sure, mate. For sure. Don't remember. Well, I, yeah, one of my good mates is in New York. I think I mentioned that at the beginning. Yeah, Ricardo, yeah. yeah. Ricardo Solitzo runs the New York Rugby Club. I think you've got some Aussies and Kiwis. So next time you're in New go, York, brother, I might have to go for a run. I might have to go for a run there, mate. Just Get like, out there, mate. York, Bring man. it. I might, I might have to show the boys a few hole balls. Yeah, there it is, mate. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, I appreciate Go and enjoy you. dinner. Hey, listen, thanks, I'm really thanks, interested mate. in uh, you sending me your favourite bourbon. So I'll be keen yep. after, after your little tour of of, uh, of Kentucky bourbon. I'll be really interested to see what, what you think. Yeah, I will. I will. I'll let you know for sure. Nice. Stay mate, well, my friend. Need, yeah, you too, man. Look after yourself. Good luck with all the lockdown stuff, mate. And let's stay in touch. Cool. See you, brother. See you, bro. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Open Minded. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe. This podcast 
is everywhere you get your podcast, so make sure you do that. <laughs> I don't need to tell you how, and then you'll get my new episode straight away. And if you can leave a review, tell everyone you know about it, it'd be awesome. If you could help spread the word about the show, thanks. But also, I'd love to get your feedback. You know, I'm new to this, I want to get better, and I want to know what you want to know about mental well-being. So please reach out to us, and thanks, and I'll see you all soon.